And so it's good to be here when the meeting starts off. This is what you've been waiting for all, all year long, what you've been working for, praying for, and giving toward. And so get in on it. Might as well get in on it this morning and, uh, and let God do something great in your heart and life. I'm going to be in a hurry here and get out of the way. And so you follow me quickly, and uh, let's let God say something to our heart. First Samuel 16, if you found your place, say amen. amen. Look with me in verse number 12. And he sent and brought him, speaking of David. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him uh, in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. For sake of time, we'll leave off reading there. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 17, and 18, we have this explosion uh, of the life of David coming upon coming to end of view in our life. The scriptures begin to unfold his life in front of us. And of course in chapter 16, uh, the Bible starts out in verse number 1, God speaking to Samuel, saying to him, How long without mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And uh, man, as you read the Bible, there are many beautiful types of the Lord Jesus Christ all throughout the Scripture. And that's what the Bible does on every page and every book of the Bible. God is revealing Jesus to you and me. And David is one of the most beautiful types of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of the Scripture. And I don't have time to describe it all to you, but if you look at the life of David, you'll find that David, just like Jesus Christ, there was a divine proclamation made about David. God said, I have provided for me a king. And if you turn to Matthew, or if you turn to Luke chapter number one, you'll find that an angel visited Mary and Joseph and said, I provided a king. I provided a savior uh, for me. And his name is going to be Jesus. Just like David, not only a divine proclamation, but just like David, there was a divine providence already in place for David's life. God said, I've rejected Saul, but I've got a man that I've been preparing on the backside of the desert. And if you'll, you look in your Bible, you'll notice that God out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary walk onto the pages of Scripture. Divine and providence had been working into their life to bring Jesus into this world so you and I could be saved. And then thirdly, you'll find a disdaining plot that surrounded David's life, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. When David showed up at the battle, had to face Goliath. His eldest brother said unto him, he said, I know the naughtiness of thine heart. Who have, those, who have thou left those few sheep in the wilderness with? You'll find as Jesus Christ came on the scene. Uh, Philip said, uh, Philip findeth Nathaniel, and here's what Nathaniel said. He said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, well, you're just going to have to come and see. There was this disdaining plight that surrounded his life. But then finally, you'll see a divine praise that accompanied David. I'm telling you, when David came in, uh, to the, when David came in from what uh, Saul had said, or from what Saul had sent him, they said this. They said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Even in the scripture here, 
The Bible said, God Himself said, that I rise, anoint Him, for this is He, Jesus. And the Bible said when He was baptized, He came up straightway out of the water, and the heavens were open, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon Him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. David, the type of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look in the Scripture, you see Saul is being rejected as the king, and David is being anointed as the next king. And if you'll let me just for a few minutes this morning, I want to look at David as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and Saul as a type of a sinner, as a type of mankind. You and me, sinners lost without God. And I want to preach this morning for a few minutes on this thought, the old story of Saul and David. The old story of Saul and David. You know what I found out when I read this text? That no matter where you wanted to go in the Bible, you could preach this, you could preach this title on anybody in the Scripture. You can preach this title in my life. You can preach it in your life. You can preach it through many Bible characters all throughout the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. But this morning it jumps off the page at me in this text. That old story of that sinner in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the story of Saul and David is found in every church. It's known among every race. It's seen in every age group and it's located on every continent. That old, old story of Saul and David. There's several things I want to say to you very quickly. And the first three I would love to say to you, I would love to, I would love to be able to say to you that the first three points that I'll bring to your attention, I wish it was the only three points. Because the first three points are so beautiful and you're going to be able to see them in your life uh, if you're saved by the grace of God and how it stands out. Watch this. First of all, we're talking about the story of Saul and David. Number one, I want you to notice first of all that Saul, he heard of David. Saul had heard of David. Chapter 16, look with me in verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit of the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, the evil spirit of the God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him him to me. Now watch this. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, a man of war and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Can I say in this old story of Saul and David, the first thing that had to happen in Saul's life as this evil spirit was upon him, uh, this thing that Saul couldn't do anything about, he found himself in a position that he could could not fix the first thing he needed. He needed a man who can. And a servant stood up and said, I'm telling you, I've seen a son of Jesse, and he's like nobody you've ever seen. We don't know who this servant is. Uh, uh, nobody, he's not named in the Scripture, but I do know this. He knew something about David. He doesn't say where he's seen David. He doesn't say how long he saw him, but this is what he said. I know this, Saul. He's cunning in playing. He's a mighty valiant man. He's a man of war, prudent in matters, a comely person, and the Lord is with him. I want you to know, friend, it was a glad day in my life when I found out there was somebody who could help me in my situation. Thank God somebody told me there was a man who can. Saul heard of David, and there was a day in my life that somebody showed up and said, hey, I know a man that can meet every need in your life.
life. He can calm every storm, take you through every valley. He can help you in the situation you're in, give you peace in your heart. I'm telling you, Saul heard of a man who could meet his needs. Saul heard of him. And if you're going to be saved this morning, you're going to have to hear about Him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Saul heard of David. But not only did Saul hear about David, after he heard of David, he wanted David. Look at verse 19. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Send me David thy son. Can I ask you this question? I've never figured this out. As far as I know, the first time God dealt with my heart, I was saved by the grace of God. I trusted Him as my Savior. Now, I know when people grow up in church and things like that, sometimes uh, there's other difficulties there. But, man, the first time God dealt with me and showed me I was a sinner and He showed me Jesus, His Son, for who He was and who He is and who He always will be, I tell you, I just didn't want to hear about it. Him. I wanted him. I wanted to leave that day knowing the man that was revealed to me in that service. And Saul, after he heard all these wonderful things about David, he said, I don't want to just keep hearing about him. Somebody needs to go down there to Jesse's house. Bring him up here to the palace. I, I need him. I want him. What sinner wouldn't want him? I'm telling you, when you've lived the life with no peace and no satisfaction and no content, and Jesus shows up and somebody tells you about him what sinner wouldn't want him so Saul heard of David but after he heard of him man he wanted him but number three after Saul wanted him and David shows up he then fell in love with him the Bible said in verse 21 and David came to Saul and stood before him And he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. He became his armor-bearer. So first of all, Saul heard of David. Thank God for the day that you and I... Some of y'all have gotten over it. I can tell this morning it don't mean as much. Used to, somebody could have got up and said something about just hearing of Jesus and you'd have run the aisles. But now you've got too sophisticated, got you a little bit of education underneath your belt, and uh, you don't shout anymore because you've gotten over the fact that Jesus one day sent somebody by your way to tell you who he was because you didn't know who he was. See, Saul heard of David. Once he heard of David, he wanted David. But after he wanted David and David showed up, it was better felt and tailed. Are you listening to me? I mean, man, he said, I've heard about you, but now that you're here, it is so much better that you're here than what it was. I mean, they were telling me some good things, but I'm telling you to just be in your presence. Uh, they couldn't even describe what you really are. I'm telling you, he fell head over heels in love with him just like that. There was not a span of time here. The Bible said he loved I'm telling you, friend, if you ever get born again by the grace of God, there is an immediate attraction to Jesus Christ like you've never had. I'm telling you, I just don't believe you can get saved and get backslid in two weeks. Honey, I'm telling you, I hadn't got over it in two weeks after I got born again. I'm telling you, I fell head over heels in love with Jesus and the church and the Bible and preaching and the choir. I'm telling you, I fell in love with it all. It's good to be in love with him the bible said he loved him and here's what i like 
The Bible said he became his armor bearer. Now, I don't have time to elaborate on all this stuff, but this armor bearer, I don't know how to explain this to you, but he bears the armor. It's pretty deep, ain't it? Learned that in Bible college. He bears the armor. In other words, he's taking Saul's burden and carrying it around. I don't got to preach, man. I'll just sit here till y'all get in on it. It's helping me. I want you, I wanted to. I said immediately when David showed up, he said, "Here, I'll tell you what I'll do. Just, just give me it. You, you got burden. Just give me all. Give me all these burdens, man. What are you doing carrying these burdens? Saul, you, you, you shouldn't be carrying. Let me carry these burdens. I'm telling you, when David showed up in my life, uh, the burdens begin to pass off. You say, well, uh, uh, preacher, I've got some heavy burden. You ain't got a burden this morning." that David's not willing to bear as soon as he got to the palace he said give me your shield give me your sword give me your armor I'll bear the load so you can be who you need to be he became his armor Saul fell in love with him can I ask you this question this morning are you in love with David are you in love with David I mean, what does he mean to you? He didn't have to stay there six months for Saul to figure out whether he loved him or not. When he showed up, Saul said, man, you're the man I've been looking for. You're the shepherd I've been needing. He said, thank you for coming. I just want you to know I love you. And if it ended there, man, what a story. What a story. The story would be that There was a day in Saul's life that this evil spirit came upon him and there was nothing he could do about it. And they sought out a man and he heard of of David. And after he heard of David, he said, I've got to have him. I don't want to just hear about him. I I need him. And somebody go get him. When David came, the Bible said he fell in love with him. David became his armor bearer. He bore his burden. If it all ended there, what a story. We'd give an invitation right now. And invite you to come and know the Lord Jesus Christ and tell you about how that you can know Him just like Saul and you still can. Only problem is, this is a story of Saul and David. And it's an old story. And it's a story that goes on in my church. It's a story that goes on in this church. It's a story that went on in this day and it's a story that will go on in every day until Jesus comes. That old story. See, it's amazing to me that Saul loved David in verse 21. But by the time you get to chapter 17 and verse 55, it's like Saul has forgotten who David even is. Look with me. Chapter 17, verse 55. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire. You've got to understand, David's already stood face to face with him. And it's, listen to what he's saying. He said, I inquire whose son this stripling is. Skip the next verse, and the Bible said, And Saul said unto him, uh, Whose son art thou, that young man? And David answered, I am the son of Jesse, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So from chapter 16 in verse 21, as Saul fell in love with David and he became his armor bearer, by chapter 17 in verse 55, Saul seemingly forgets all about who David is. You know, I've seen that happen many times in church. 
Man, somebody walks the aisle and gets saved, and man, tears are flowing, and people shouting, and you give them a brand new King James Bible, even baptize them. They join the church, and for a short time, it seems like they really love Jesus, and all of a sudden, you flip one page into Scripture, and a little span of time takes place, and all of a sudden, they're nowhere to be found. It's like they've forgotten all about who David was. But it's not just the people, ladies and gentlemen, that get out of church that forget about who David is. No, there's a lot of people that carry their King James Bible to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and they come to every revival meeting. They even tithe, and, and, and man, they, they, they're here, but they've forgotten too. You see, man, they used to shout, and man, they used to get involved. And man, I'm telling you, they, they, I mean, they were on fire for God, visitation, had a good spirit about them. But now all of a sudden, see, the Bible said in the New Testament that a Christian can get in such bad shape spiritually that he's, he, he would have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Are you listening? You say, oh, I, don't, I don't think that Saul could get that way. Well, let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of people I didn't think that it could ever get the way they are this morning, but they're there. And you would almost never know that they've been saved, that they've been washed in the blood, that they used to sing in the choir, and they used to testify and shout. But now this morning they sit there like a knot on a log, and they won't say anything, and they've lost their joy and their power, and they don't walk with God. It's the old story of Saul and David. And it goes on today. Saul seemingly forgets about David until David walks out on the battlefield, performs this miracle. I'm going to tell you what we better be thankful for this morning. There's been plenty of times in our life we didn't deserve God to work in our behalf. David, if I could say this, this is another message, but I won't elaborate on it, but David wasn't there saving himself that day. You'll get that later. Jesus wasn't at the cross saving himself that day. Jesus was on that cross saving you and me that day. And, G- and David, not only did he save Saul, but he saved Jonathan, and he saved all those men, and he saved those people. David, the Savior. Are you listening to me? The Savior. He walks out of nowhere and performs this miracle and nobody even asks him to do it. Maybe I ought to hunker down here for a minute. That don't spook any of you, does it? I mean, times in your life you wasn't where you needed to be with God but yet God showed up anyway out of nowhere and maybe you hadn't even got the prayer out of your mouth or you didn't even felt like it extended from your heart yet because it run through your mind. God came to your aid and He came to your rescue anyway and He fought an enemy in your life that you couldn't have defeated but you didn't have the guts to ask Him to do it and here comes God anyway performing in your behalf and saving you. I'll tell you this, Saul didn't deserve to be saved. Those men didn't deserve to be saved. Are you listening? 
But he saved them anyway. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And David walked on out there. I'm telling you, how many times in your life and mine, God should have let us drown in what we were in. But he came by and he picked us up and he helped us along life's way. And he encouraged us to go on for the glory of God. Number five, when Saul forgets, after he sees David work on the battlefield, he realizes he needed David. That he needed David. Here's what's watch this. Verse verse five. Look at with me verse number uh, look with me verse number two first. And Saul took him that day and would let him eighteen verse two. Saul took him that day and would let him go home no more. Uh, would let him go no more home to his father's house. Saul realized who he was. Are you listening? What I'm trying to say is, when you get saved by the grace of God, you realize Jesus is a wonderful Savior. But somewhere in your Christian life, as God begins to work and reveals Himself to you, you realize He's not only a wonderful Savior, but He is the Lord God Almighty, and you need Him every day. That you don't just need Him to save you, but you need Him to continue to save you and sustain you and supply for you. You need David every day. And so Saul realized that he needed David. Now watch with me in verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent over him the men of war. And uh, he was accepted on the side of all the people. Also on the side of Saul's servants came to pass when they came, when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with the instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. He needed David. Who done all of that? It wasn't Saul, it was David. And I just say to you, just like I mentioned that armor, he'll fight every battle you have. The Bible said David went whithersoever Saul sent him. I got some scripture. I don't have time to preach it, but I want you to understand something this morning. Listen, there should be a lot more we should be getting done according to the New Testament because of the one who dwells within us. Jesus said... Greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because there's a comforter coming. He said, I'm I'm coming. He said, but I'm just coming in another person. I'm going to dwell with you, and I'm coming in the person of the Holy Ghost. We need him. But I've seen this time and time and time again. After Saul realized he needed David, David began to make changes. And you're never going to have Saul, you're never going to have David come home with you in what he's not going to make changes in the surroundings in your life. So when they came back, David started making changes. He went everywhere Saul needed him to go, done everything Saul needed him to do. That's just like Jesus Christ in our life. He has never seen a problem in your life, never seen an enemy he couldn't defeat, never seen a problem he couldn't handle, a situation he couldn't fix, a prayer he would not answer or could not answer. And he does it because he loves you and me. And David did it because he loved Saul. But when he needed him, he, he said, he's going home no more. Glad day, a big glad day in your life when you quit leaving Jesus at church on Sunday night. 
and start taking him home. But you need to understand something. This is why a lot of people don't take him home. Because Matthew, when you do take him home, he's making some changes. And here's the big change right here. When this battle got over with, they came back and and the women are going, Woo-hoo-hoo! What a meeting! Hallelujah! Saul slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And if you ever get to the right place in your life with God, the praise will leave you and it will all be attached to David. But here's the problem. After David started making changes, I've seen a lot of people do the very next thing. Saul got mad at David. I, I just don't understand. I've been through as many battles as the next guy. I've had it. I've been lied on. I've been. I've been lied to. I, I, I mean, I've been called everything but what I really am. But I'm gonna tell you something. God's. That's not His fault. I mean, I have give God, I have tried to surrender, I have tithed, I have given to missions, and there's been times where we've rolled chains to make sure we can make ends meet. That ain't God's fault. But when God goes to making changes in people's lives, I've watched them time and time and time again get mad at God and blame God for what's going on. And it's not God's fault. Amen. God takes the blame for a lot of things in our life that is not His fault. And there's some of you sitting here this morning and you're blaming God for something that's going on in your life. Honey, it ain't God's fault. Man is a free moral agent. You know why? Saul had the ability to choose whether he would be mad and stay mad at David, and he did. I've seen a lot of people start out on fire and singing in the choir and loving God and then all of a sudden down the road a year or two, they're mad at God over something that's not his fault. David deserved the praise. Number 7, 8, 10, 12 or whatever I'm on. After Saul got mad at David, you'll find in verse number 12, he became afraid of David. It's a sad day when Christians are afraid of God. Now, I know the Bible tells us to fear the Lord, but that's a reverential fear. Saul is afraid of David. He's afraid of him. You know why? Because the Bible over and over keeps saying that the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. You see, when, once you start, when you get mad at God, you, you start getting fearful of his power. And you start becoming fearful of the people of God that have the power of God on their life. He became afraid of him. A man who at one time loved David is now living in fear of David. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, let me labor this for just a moment and I'll close. He got mad at David. He became afraid of David. But then Saul warred. Ward against David. And can I say, ladies and gentlemen, you're picking a fight with the wrong person if you go to war with God. You say, I'd never do it. Don't say never. Don't you say never. I, listen, you say, oh, preacher, God's bigger. I, I understand that. And you wouldn't ever just probably blatantly say, I'm going to go to war with God because you understand that God himself can take your life at any moment. So you're not just going to stand up and shake your fist necessarily in the face of God. But I'll tell you what you will do. You'll go after your preacher. 
And you'll go after your preacher's wife. And you'll go after the preacher's children. Or you'll go after a Sunday school teacher. Or you'll go after a deacon. And you'll try to divide what God has given his life for. He's given his life for the church. And he means business in the church. And people start going after the church. Once they get mad at God, they start going after the church. Well, I just ain't getting fed there anymore. Well, Brother Gravely, you know, he used to preach. But I'm telling you, man, I, I've just, I've heard about all I can hear out of him, and he don't ever bring anything new. Honey, it ain't him. It ain't his problem. You're the one that's got the problem. Woo! Hallelujah, man. He began to war against David. Bad idea. Every time he threw a spear, God got him out of the way. Every time he set a trap, God got him out of the way. I'm going to tell you, you can war all you want to, and it may seem like you're winning at times, but God will flip the tables one day on you so fast it'll make your hands swim, and he'll prove himself that he's God and he does not need you. He warred against him. But here's the last thing. i got to close right here. Listen to me. I wished it would have ended at the part where he loved him. But it just didn't. And here's what I found out through the years. Man, if everybody in the last nine years that has come through Faith Baptist Church in Staten, Virginia was still there, I mean those that, Brother Mark, you've been there, those that have come through and, man, they said they got saved, said they loved me, said they loved God. Wow, that that little old building project we just did, it wouldn't hold that crowd. Oh, there's plenty of people used to sit in here and say the same thing. They sit right beside me. They ain't here no more either. I wished it would have ended where he loved him. But you hear me. You read your Bible. I don't have time to go there. Second Samuel 1, Saul died without David. Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. You can't do it, but you can die without him. You can die without him. If you read that scripture, there's a man comes running to David. His clothes are rent, and he's got. Uh, he, he tells David. David says, "Who are you? Where have you come from?" And he begins to explain to him he's escaped out of the camp of Israel and and, and what's going on and how they've been overtaken. He said, "Well, what? Well, how goes the matter?" And he said, "I'll tell you what's happened." He said, "It's a tragedy. Saul and Jonathan are dead." And immediately David rent his clothes and he wept. You're talking about a type of Christ for him. Saul dies without David. He died without the presence of David in his life. You see, here's the thing. Had Saul just accepted this, Jonathan accepted David. Because when David walked off the battlefield that day with the giant's head in his hand, uh, Saul, Saul already was backing up going, uh-oh, this ain't good. But I tell you what Jonathan did. He said, hang on just a second. He said, here, he said, I already see what's happening. You need to take that because uh, this is your ball game. This ain't mine. You're the next king around here. It ain't me. You better take that because uh, you're the man that's headed to the throne, not me. But see, Saul wasn't, but what, what would have happened? See, if Saul would have just accepted some things, David would, have, David would have fought every battle he ever had. Remember when David was fighting the battles and he was killing his ten thousands? But see, David was nowhere to be found in this battle. He was nowhere around. You know why? It wasn't because David didn't want to be there. It's because Saul didn't want him there. 
He died without the presence of David. He died without the power of David. Saul never had to fight that battle. You're fighting a battle today, sir, that you don't even have to fight. You don't have the power, ma'am, to win this battle, but God does. He died without the praise of David. I don't have time. He died without the peace of David. Come here, brother. You ever had God when you're going through something? I'm not saying Saul wouldn't have died in this battle, even if David was there. But, Brother Laddie, let's just say that if David was there and it was God's time for Saul to go, what would it have been if David would have been there just to say, hey, I've always loved you. I've always been there for you. Anything you need, anything I need to just comfort him. To just put it. You ever had God put his arms around you? Yes, sir. You ever had God say things to you that, you that you needed to hear at the right time? I mean, in the right place in your life. But David was nowhere to be found. Did you hear me right here? I'm done. Miss Sheila. Listen to me. Listen to me. Saul not only died without David. But he caused Jonathan to die without David. You hear me? You hear me? The Bible said Saul loved him in chapter 16. But when David come marching off that battlefield in chapter 18, here's what Jonathan, uh, the Bible said about Jonathan. He loved him as his own soul. He's deeply infatuated in love with David. Are you listening to me? He's head over heels for David. But you watch the scriptures. As Saul gets bitter and he gets jealous and he gets mad. The longer it goes, Jonathan's trying to tell him, Dad, what has David done? What has he done? Why can't we why don't you just calm down, Dad? Come. But he gave in. You say, well, his daddy was the king. Look up here at me. I don't care what king's in your life. There's no king greater than King Jesus. Matthew, God had already said, I'm done with Saul. And Jonathan knew it. I'm going to tell you what he did, John. He made a choice. He made a choice to follow his daddy. Are you listening to me, mom and dad? You look up here at me. I'm just about done. But you hear me. You better think twice before you leave here on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a Wednesday night. You better think twice before you leave here and you go to tear down the man of God and what he has said. You may not agree with everything. And if you need to have a conversation about it, you get in private. But the most damning thing that parents have ever done is to, in front of their children, tear down the man of God and the message of God and the house of God and the people of God. And then they wonder why when their children get up in their teenage years, they go to hell in a handbasket and want nothing to do with God or their church or the preacher you did it it ain't the teenagers that give me a problem it's their parents take
take them to youth camp, get them away from a TV and a cell phone, uh, and get them away from their carnal parents, uh, and get them in a godly atmosphere, and get them full of the Holy Ghost, and you get them home in a week and a half, they're as carnal as a day is long, because their mom and daddy lets them have everything. Can I preach for just a second? I'm telling you, honey, listen to me. Saul caused his own boy to die without David. It'd have been one thing if it's just him. But it wasn't just him. That boy come and said, Saul and Jonathan are dead. He listened. And David let him die. You want to die like you are? One day God's going to say, all right, fine. I've done all I can do. Done all I can do. Go ahead. If you want to die without me, go right ahead. I've seen a lot of them do it. I've seen a lot of them do it. I'm talking about Brother Jack that loved God. I've seen a lot of preachers do it. And when they die, they die so far away from God, you'd have never known they knew Him. his own son to die without a man to die without David the man he loved are you listening go ahead and get out get sideways get messed up but it will not only cost you it will cost those that are attached to your life I got some teenagers in my church brother Ricky if they make it if they, if, if, if they make it, it's going to be a miracle of Almighty God because their parents are so messed up. And the daily influence they have to live in every day of their life sometimes can get overwhelming. No matter what we do, Brother Laddie, no matter how much we love them, no matter the Christian school, no matter all of that, it's what they go home to. I, I got upset now, I'm going to tell you, a couple months ago, I got deeply upset. I, I mean, I—I I mean, look, they're—I mean, they ain't my kids, but I mean, they feel like mine. And buddy, I was getting ready to get on a couple of parents. We'd throw money in these kids, time into these kids, and loved these kids, and provided for these kids. I told one of them, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The last four years, I said, they ain't nobody paid your kids' school bill, but the school. You want to run up here and jerk them out and put them somewhere where God ain't in a million miles of? Say, you sound like you was hot. I was hot. I can't even tell you the temperature of hot I was. But I'm their pastor. I have to watch for their soul. And I get upset when you see God get on their life and you watch a parent jerk it out of them. Or a grandparent for that matter. Am I okay? I know I gotta, I gotta be done. Listen to me. He died without him. And he not only died without him, he caused Jonathan to die without him. That old story of Saul and David. Can I say this to the Bible Baptist Church? I appreciate everybody that's here today that was here when I first started coming here. I appreciate everybody that's come along in years gone by. And you just didn't come along to, you know, 
hit it and run, but you've stayed and you've been faithful. You don't know what that means to that man. That through good times and bad times, up times, down times, uh, whatever it may be, you've been faithful. Can I say thank you? Because we've seen so many more. And sometimes as a pastor, you get to the point where you're just like, there ain't nobody real. Nobody loves God. You say, why do you think that? Because I've got a Facebook and I watch most of you. You quit posting your entire life on Facebook, we wouldn't think that. I thought some of you are spiritual until I started following you on Facebook. You're not spiritual. You're about to get out what you're getting ready to do. You say, what are you talking about? Your carnal music and your carnal words and your carnal life, you're just about gone what you are. Oh, you're telling on yourself, honey. I know. I'm hooked up. I'm saying the right thing. You're telling on yourself. And you're going to pull your children and grandchildren into a pit they'll never get out of. Saul drugged Jonathan right down into the same mess he was in. So old story of Saul and David. And I ask you something, and all them things I just, oh my goodness. And all them things I just said, where do you, where do you fit in? We're standing, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, the altar's open, preacher want me to give an invitation. If you need to come this morning, don't wait. Don't wait on the next message. Don't wait on a, listen, why don't you come now? Get this meeting started right. Get to where you need to be with God. Let God help you this morning. Maybe you need to get your children by the hand and come to an old-fashioned altar and beg God to help you stay in the old-time way in the straight and narrow and glorify Him with your life. Would you come? Brother David's going to sing you, my God. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live I surrender all would you come I surrender all all I mean surrender to him. Really surrender and give him all. I want you to understand something. You're not the first one that's seen a battle and you're not going to be the last one. Battles are just part of the Christian life. That's why Canaan land's not a type of heaven. It's a type of the spirit-filled life. They still had battles to fight. But thank God... There was somebody, there was a captain of the host, there's a David somewhere standing in the shadows, and honey, he will fight every battle if you'll just let him. He'll bear every burden if you'll just give it to him. You know what Saul had to do? All he had to do, Brother Laddie, was hand him the armor. That's it. That's it. And all you got to do is hand him your burden, and he'll bear it. We're going to sing, why don't you come? All to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow worldly pleasure.
forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I want to thank God for the message this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I have not talked to Brother Brown. Well, that's not true. We talked on Tuesday for a few minutes. He was out in Colorado checking on Brother Teddy's and Miss Crystal. And uh, he got in He got in Thursday, and we were supposed to get together to work on some things for Jubilee. And neither one of us was able to just because of our schedules. So I haven't even spoke to him until I got here this morning. And... Uh, I'm just telling you, I ain't told him nothing. But that message right there was straight from the throne. Amen. He said too many things. I liked what he said about the pastor and his family. Can I get it? I know I'm the pastor, but I believe that. I'd say it if I was in another church. So I'd be a hypocrite not to say it here, wouldn't I? He just walked all over that. You know what I was sitting there thinking about? That wasn't a coincidence. While we're just all being honest, let's just be honest. Might change this whole meeting. There's two or three of you women sitting out there. You probably need to go to Miss Gravely and make an apology. Probably need to go to my daughters and make one. See how quiet it is right now? Holy Ghost put that on me while he's preaching. See, he's a 99% of this church, it would, would probably fight for me and my family. They, My girls have grown up here. But there's two or three women around here. You ain't getting nothing this week. Lord told me that sitting right there, you ain't getting nothing this week. See, and you can put this religious smile on. You can just nod your head and act like everything's okay. But God knows your heart this morning. Amen. God told me to say that sitting there. So I don't like that. I don't it ain't gonna listen it ain't gonna bother me one bit. I'm gonna go eat a chicken leg this afternoon and I'm gonna enjoy every bit of it. Sometimes you just drink about you just gotta drink about five gallons of I don't give a rip and go and serve God. Amen. That's it. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm just telling you. Them little things you get in your heart because you don't like something I did, and so you'll just take it out on her or one of them girls. You ain't getting nothing from God. And you ain't fooling me, and you ain't fooling them. We've been doing this long enough. We don't know everything. But we're not, hey, I didn't fall off a turnip wagon last week. Amen. Hey, Brother Brown started it. So I might as well just emphasize what he preached. Brother Laddie, you believe that? 100%, don't you? That deacon's nodding his head. He believes every bit of that. You believe that, Brother Wilson? And I'm nobody. I ought to be in hell. I ought to be in hell. I ain't nobody. I don't want to be praised. My wife definitely don't want to be praised. She don't want any recognition. She raised them girls that way, too. 
they always but but we do believe in being respected don't we I believe that amen I just thank God for the word of God being preached this morning there was something else he said I wanted to say but I can't remember now but I will tell you this we wait too many times we want God to fix our problems when God's really wanting to fix us he ain't worried about our problems He's more concerned about us and helping us. And uh, we're going to sing another verse. You may be here and have a problem, and you said, well, I need God to fix this problem. I was sitting there thinking about some things that I would like for God to fix. I've asked God to fix them. I've been asking him for two things a long time. I've said, God, would you please just take care of this? I don't want to deal with it no more. Take care of it for me. He hasn't fixed that. And I was sitting there and the Lord said, you know what? I'm trying to fix you. So I'm just going to pray for me. I'm not going to pray, Lord, fix my problem. Fix me. Amen. Trials, adversities, valleys, oppositions. I know we don't like it, but they're good for us, aren't they? We can't live life without it. We wouldn't be worth nothing. You know that. If all we had was a mountaintop experience and smooth sailing, we wouldn't be worth a dime. Not one penny. So we have to have trials in life. You have to go through. God may not want to fix your problem. He ain't worried about your problem. He's more worried about you. And so the problem's just a tool to make to help us be what we need to be. And I was sitting there thinking about that. If I could just see my problems as tools that God's using in my life to make me a better Christian. And it's not near as painful. Amen. Let's sing another verse of that, Brother David. And you need to come. Would you come tonight, this morning? All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. I'm surrendered all. I'm surrendered all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All God's people said, Amen. Miss Brittany, come up here and get a song ready to sing. You know, I went to bed last night. Y'all ain't going to believe this. I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night, Miss Kate. I'm never doing that again in my life. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning. And so uh, I got up this morning and prayed for the services. And uh, from 4 o'clock till 10 o'clock is a long time to wait for church. You know that? And so I'm going back my old ways. Amen. I'm not going to. I thought, well, I'll get some good night rest. I'll sleep a whole lot. I feel great. I drank two cups of coffee, so I feel wonderful. Amen. <laughs> That'll help you, won't it? It's better than smoking pot, isn't it? That's right. Don't, don't act so spiritual because I drank coffee. Amen. Just thank God I ain't smoking a joint. Hallelujah. But I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night, woke up at 4. I said, I'm not doing that no more. I'm just, that ain't rhyme, didn't it? I'm not doing that no more. I'm getting, I'm going to go to bed at normal time, amen. But I feel good in the Lord. How many of y'all glad to be here? I said all that because some of y'all need to smile after that message. 
and uh, God's good to us. Miss Brittany's going to sing. I want y'all to turn around, shake hands, fellowship, and we're going to come go to the restroom, do what you need to do. In about five or six minutes, we're going to have some choir singing and have some more preaching. So you sing one for us while we fellowship. Bethlehem, Calvary, and all of its hell. Oh, what a Savior is mine. Mountains and plains with His praises shall
If I had to count the reasons why I live for Jesus, I could count them until he comes again. For all the things he's done for me would be enough to fill the sea. All countless miracles he's performed in my life. And that's just one of the many reasons why I serve the Lord. Because I could not begin to tell you what he's done. Can you believe we were the reason that he gave it all he had? With great compassion and love, he bore all our sin. He showed mercy, grace, and pardon, even though we all were undeserving. Some of the many reasons why I serve him, and that's just some of the why I serve the Lord because I could not begin to tell you what he's done for me and that's more reason to sing of his majesty and grace because he bled and died for a
Amen. Let's all stand. We'll receive our offering. Brother Ryan, how about you get ready to sing a song for us, okay? And so we'll receive the offering. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen, but God is going to do something big this week. He just, I mean, you can just feel it in the air. Amen. I mean, can you, I, I'm, we're not charismatic, but I'm glad you can feel God. And I'm telling you, this service, you can feel the presence of God. Leading up to it, our meeting is, uh, I'm not even going to tell you how much this meeting is going to cost because it would scare you to death if you knew. And uh, it's, it's just unbelievable, the cost. And, uh, but having said that, God just keeps sending money in. So, you know, I mean, what can you say about that? I was going down the road Friday night, headed up to a uh, meeting, and I never, never traveled by myself anywhere. And, uh, but my wife had a lot of things that I needed her to do Friday evening. And so when everybody else was busy, and so I thought, well, it would just be good for me to have a little time. I called the preacher. going to meet him. I said, it'd be good for me to have some quiet time just up the road to think and pray. And I'm going to tell you, wouldn't you know the devil got in the car with me? And so you never ride by yourself. I can tell you that much. He's going to show up. He got in the car, and uh, she had told me a few things of some expenses that was unexpected. And so I'm going down the road, and I'm thinking, Lord, please, I want to be a good steward. I don't want to just waste money. And, you know, and I mean, all this stuff's going through my mind. The devil said, you know, this, this, and this. You, ought to, you know, he's just talking to me the whole time about, that, about the finances. And I get up there to the meeting, and the preacher, he called.